Good morning and welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church and to this 11 o'clock service of worship. It's a joy to be with you all this morning, wherever you are on your journey of faith and whether you're joining us here in this space or via live stream or WRR, you are welcome here. Welcome home. If you are here in the space, we invite you to locate the friendship pads that are located at the ends of your pews, and please do register your attendance there. That's a way in which we get to know who's worshiping with us and in this space and get to know one another's names. If you are new or visiting for one of the first times, uh, we invite you to join us in the atrium after the service to receive a welcome bag from one of our greeters with a special treat and more information about the mission and ministry of our church. If you are uh, visiting for the first time, uh, we invite you also to fill out a connection card. Those are in the pews in front of you. It's just a little more information about you so we can make contact. And on the back of that connection card, we also have a prayer card. So if you are in need of prayer for joy or a concern, we invite you to fill out that card and drop it into the offering plate later in the service. As we worship together, we also have a few announcements today. You may have seen in the atrium as you walked in that we have some beautiful displays that are up for you to take a look at. Our PHPC Racial Justice and Equity Pilgrimage returned from their trip last Monday, and there are two chalkboards that are set out in the atrium that explain a little bit about where that delegation went, what they experienced, and a little bit uh, for you to take home with to think about. Next Sunday at 9.30 in the morning, there will be a pilgrimage talk back, so if you want to hear more about that trip, please do make plans to attend. Additionally, next Sunday at 10.35, we'll have a congregational meeting here in the sanctuary. That's an important meeting because we'll be voting on our slate of elders and deacons, those folks who have discerned a call to ministry in this congregation. So we hope you'll be here to learn a little bit more about them and to vote at 10.35. Friends, you are welcome here. All of who you are is welcome here. And we are so grateful you're here for worship. So let us worship good and holy God. Take 
Parents, please join in reading responsibly the call to worship found in your bulletin. Come, all who dream dreams. Let us dream together. Come, all who see visions. Let us envision God's kingdom on earth. Come, old and young. Let us seek God together. Come, all people. Let us worship God. We have often neglected to care for those 
life circumstances make it difficult to survive in this world. Help us to seek justice in our daily living. Help us to recognize and challenge inequities. Remind us that all belong to you and guide us toward living like we belong to one another. Amen. Nothing you can do or say or fail to do can separate you from God's love, God's claim on you. For God loves you and forgives you. So friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, as we prepare to dwell within your holy word, open our ears, for we long to hear a word of hope. Open our minds, for we seek to understand. Open our hearts, for we want to be transformed. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Morning. Last year, as part of our process for creating this new vision statement we are living into, we held 22 listening sessions with all of you. And in those sessions, you let us know why you have come to be a part of this particular congregation and what you hope this family of faith could offer you and your families and your community. And we asked you how this church could address an area of need in our society, and you said over and over again that we have to look at poverty, poverty in our neighborhoods and in our city. And then when we asked you how you wanted to grow as a follower of Christ, we heard pretty much a healthy spread of answers, including that you want to worship and pray and study and serve together. Basically, you are a church. And so this Seeking the Welfare of the City sermon series was created with all of that in mind. And I want to recognize that this sermon series is the beginning of a deeper conversation and exploration around how we can faithfully live into our call to be a church for this city and for this world. So let us listen now with open hearts to these guiding words from the prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what you produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your will. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our Lord, our Rock, and our Redeemer. So I've recently noticed that whenever my husband, Alex, and I travel, we have different approaches when it comes to unpacking. I basically live out of the suitcase, and Alex, on the other hand, actually puts his shirts and his socks in drawers, and he hangs his suit and his pants in the closet. I will happily spread my things on top of the dresser, but not put it inside of the But the funny thing is that when it comes to our house, I put my clothes away and he leaves piles everywhere. (laughs) And a part, or in addition to how we set aside our clothes, Alex and I have also realized that we still don't feel quite settled in our house. Even though we've been there for almost two years now, we haven't been able to turn this house into our home. You know what I mean? Like our furniture doesn't match the rooms we now have. There are repairs and changes we keep meaning to make but never get around to doing. And we don't have a single family photo hanging on our walls. And in our defense, you know, our schedules are pretty busy. And we are at the mercy of a two-year-old has the emotional range of a (laughs) two-year-old. And still, we have this longing to be able to walk into our home and to feel comfortable and to feel at peace and rooted in this place where we have now wanted to settle. And so when we first moved in together, we talked a lot about what we wanted in a home. And what we've learned is that your home has the capacity to reflect your values and has the capacity to help us live out those values. And one of those is hospitality. We want a home where we can invite our friends and neighbors over, where it is inviting and welcoming, where everybody can come and help us join in our favorite activity, which is eating. Besides our relatives, our family, we haven't had people over to our house in quite some time. When we first moved in, a couple weeks in, we did have a small housewarming party slash birthday party for my husband. 
And at the time, it was understandable that we would have boxes here and there, mismatched furniture and bare walls. But now, two years later, it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> and I wonder, I wonder at what point did the Israelites feel this way about their lives in Babylon? At what decade into their time in this city did they feel a little annoyed that they were still living out of their suitcases and boxes? I believe there are two main factors that kept them from settling down. They're important ones. One, they were in exile. They were forced out of their homes. They were uprooted from everything that they have known, and they were forced to live in Babylon. They didn't want to be there. And the second is that there were false prophets at the time who were promising them that their return back to Jerusalem would come very soon. Well, the prophet Jeremiah, however, had a different message for them. And so he sent them a letter. He wrote, Dear friends, the God of Israel wants me to tell you that actually God sent you into exile. So settle in. Build houses and plant gardens so you have a place to live and you have things to eat. Find a partner for yourselves and have children and may they have partners. And also look after your new neighbors. think their reaction to this letter was to fold it right back up and write wrong address return to sender. <laughs> you see it's difficult to hear when God's plan is different from our own. Jeremiah is telling them that God's plan is not only different for them but different for the generations that will come after them. And it's even more difficult to hear God asking you to care for the very people who have caused you pain. The Israelites, they're the ones who've lost everything. And now God wants them to care for these foreign people in this foreign land with this pagan culture. In their mind, I can hear them saying, don't you remember, God, that you are our God? And to their hearts, God is saying, yes, I am your God. And I am still with you and will always be with you wherever this life takes you. And I am also the God of the people and the communities of this land that you have not opened yourselves up to yet. You see, when I read the Bible, I encounter stories like this one all the time. Stories that remind me how our lives unfold differently when we trust and we follow God. And there are countless stories about how God longs for communities of people who for whatever reason have been set apart to come back and be restored with one another. I think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. I think of all of Paul's letters where he's defending his ministry for the inclusion of the Gentiles. 
And I think of all those ragtag group of women and men whom Jesus called to follow him. And what we've learned from these stories, what I've learned from these stories, is how critical our restoration to marginalized communities is to the larger salvation story of God. And so why does this all matter to us here at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas? I think it matters to us because Dallas is one of the leading places in our country for social exile. And when I say social exile, I mean we have yet to come together as a collective city. In 2015, the Pew Research Center ranked the DFW Metroplex number two when it comes to racial and economic segregation. In the entire United States, we are second only to our neighbor, Houston, Texas. What this means is that in our city, there are highly concentrated area of upper income households. And there are highly concentrated areas of lower income households. And on top of that, the vast majority of those residing in those upper income households, 95%, are white households. Of those middle and mixed income households, 76% of those are white households. And so what that means for us is that those lower income households are made up of over 80% of non-white households. So when I say social exile, I mean we are geographically isolated from one another based on our racial and economic income level. And the majority of those who are low income are African American and Latino communities. And on top of that, somehow our children live even more segregated lives because of the schools they attend. According to an analysis by the, of the U.S. Census by the Dallas Independent School District, between the years of 1970 and 2000, that's 30 years, the population of white students disappeared faster than white households from the county of Dallas. So what that means is that more students left the school then families left the county. And the percentage in 1970 of white students was 60%, and 30 years later, it's 17%. In those 30 years, 81,000 students have been unenrolled from DISD, and today, the population of white students is 5%. And what recent research is showing us is that all of this social, racial, economic isolation from one another is hurting all of us. 
We live in a city now that is nationally recognized for extreme disparities, disparities in education and housing and economic opportunities and health outcomes. And all of these issues are rooted in the ways we live segregated lives from one another. And at the same time, we have charitable foundations, we have new nonprofits, we have churches and individuals who are spending more money and more time providing short-term band-aid fixes for chronic and systemic issues of poverty. I hope you know that I do not mean to share these statistics to make us feel bad or to make us feel ashamed of our choices. I know what it's like to struggle to make choices for the best of our family and the best of our communities. And you know, as a church, we are mandated to provide those short-term fixes. We have to feed the hungry. We have to bring water to those who are thirsty. We have to invite the stranger in, and we have to clothe those who are naked. That is our mandate. And what is God is telling us and inviting us to do through Jeremiah is to open ourselves up to the reality that we can offer compassionate responses to immediate need and we can begin to alter the environment all around us that continue to allow these pervasive manifestations of poverty to remain rooted in our city. We don't have to choose between caring for individuals and caring for this entire city. And if you hear nothing else today, I hope you hear this is that our individual efforts can make a collective impact for good all around us. Last year, I attended a conference here in Dallas and I was introduced to this incredible philosopher and poet named Mark Nepo. Some of you may be familiar with him. In one of his books, he tells this really interesting story the story of two tribes. This is what he writes. <clears throat> In the beginning, when the first humans came across each other, I imagine the fearful one said, you're different, go away. And that was the beginning of the go away tribe. The other tribe said, you're different, come teach me. And that was the beginning of the come teach me tribe. While our reasoning has grown more complicated throughout the century, Mark writes, our reactions are essentially the same. Go away, come teach me. Since the beginning, the two tribes have had their philosophies. The go away tribe believes Human beings by nature are self-serving and untrustworthy, in need of control. The go-away tribe believes in stringent laws and constraints, both moral and legal, to ensure that people don't run amok. The come-teach-me tribe 
believes human beings by nature are kind and trustworthy. The Come Teach Me tribe believes in cultivating laws that empower freedom to ensure that people actualize their gifts through relationships. Times of enlightenment throughout our history mark the extreme manifestation of the Come Teach Me tribe, which fosters wonder, learning, compassion, and cooperation. Empowered by trust, the Come Teach Me tribe fills us with curiosity that turns into interindependence and the belief that we need each other and that the diversity of our gifts makes our lives whole. What Mark believes is that we're born into both of these tribes. And we have the capacity to move from one tribe to the other based on our level of fear. And what he believes is ultimately the powers of this world are always moving us back together again because we are all parts of an individual whole. And our life, our love, our suffering reveals this to us. This wholeness, this wholeness is what Jeremiah is lifting up in his letter. Seek the welfare of the city, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. The word welfare is a translation of the Hebrew word shalom, which means wholeness. Shalom also means prosperity and human flourishing. Family of God, God invites us to discover shalom by participating in this holy, messy, difficult, and intergenerational work of building a community where all God's children have the opportunity to flourish. So I ask you today, if we're committed to being the church in this world, if we believe that we as Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church have the responsibility to seek the welfare of this city, it's time for us to open ourselves up to the invitations into the neighborhoods, into the communities, into the schools and the lives that we have kept ourselves away from. And when we are invited into these spaces and into these relationships, we do not go as saviors, as fixers. We do not go with all the right answers and all the money to fix the problems. We go on this journey to build genuine community. And that requires our presence. It requires our courage our trust, our vulnerability, and generous listening. When we go, we go humbly saying, come, teach me. To God be the glory. Amen.
Friends, having heard the word read and proclaimed, let us rise together in body or in spirit and say what it is that we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, Father Almighty. For thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, as we prepare our hearts for prayer, I would remind you that outside of the sanctuary doors, you can find care letters. Those are letters that are sent to members who are experiencing joys and concerns. We ask that you would sign those as a sign of your solidarity and prayer with and for them. This day, we especially pray for those who are hospitalized, including Melissa Sanders and Susan Bauscher. And we also celebrate that our senior high students have been on a retreat this weekend in which they are focusing on self-care and self-esteem. There are other prayer requests that are listed in the back of your bulletin, so please do take note of those and offer prayers for those families. Let us pray. God of the garden, we give you thanks for your abundance. We give thanks for rain that waters crops and for the richness of the soil. We are grateful for the labor of planters and harvesters and for all of those who work so that we might have food on our plates. We give thanks for your loving care, for the communities that ground us and for families and chosen families that nurture and support us. We are grateful for the people who love us despite our shortcomings and for the growth and grace that comes with being in relationship. Because you love us and because you give of yourself abundantly, we also reach out to love one another and to give of ourselves abundantly. And so this day we pray that your love will reach those who need it. We pray for those who are food insecure, whose stomachs grumble with hunger. We pray for children who go without meals and parents who work long hours for little pay. We pray for those who are without sustainable housing, for those who are facing eviction, and for those who suffer in the face of new development. We pray for those who are fleeing violence and poverty, for those who have survived domestic abuse, and for all of those who are struggling with addiction. We pray for all of those who have been discriminated against, profiled, and marginalized because of their race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or gender identity. And God, we pray, we pray for those who are facing difficult diagnoses and prolonged hospitalizations, 
for those who are at the end of their lives, and for those who are deeply grieved and carrying heavy burdens. God, we know that the suffering of this world is profound because we have experienced loss and grief firsthand. And we also know that your love and your abundance are everlasting, and that you desire our welfare, that you desire the world's welfare. So ground us once more in your grace and send us out to live like we belong to one another. Help us to be creators of justice and joy and compassion and peace. All of these things we pray in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. When we say that all belong to God, we are recognizing the inherent dignity and value and worth of every person. This month we are living into our vision statement with our Every Dollar Counts offering. All $1 bills will go to support the ministry of Genesis Women's Shelter, which provides safe haven for survivors of domestic violence. Giving is a means by which we make God's love tangible in the world. So let us give generously to a God who's given so much to us. I invite the ushers to come forward for this morning's tithes and offerings.
God, we give you thanks for all that you have given us. Accept these offerings as a sign of our gratitude and our love. Use these gifts to create new life in our community, our city, and our world. Amen. As you are, invite my colleague Dee Wadsworth forward. Join me here on the chancel. Today we have an opportunity to recognize Dee for her service to this congregation and community on the occasion of her retirement. Uh, it is, I think, telling that she asked me this morning if this was going to be a roast or not. <laughs> I told her that there is plenty of opportunity to do that, but that the sanctuary was not the appropriate venue. So, uh, so I, I just wrote a couple of words. Um, as the pastor of congregational care, um, I have had uh, probably the most interaction with Dee among our pastors during my time here just over a year. And so I'm privileged to have the opportunity to stand before the congregation and to acknowledge your work, Dee, and to offer personal gratitude from me as well as the gratitude of our faith community. I wrote some words that came to my mind as I thought about how I've observed you and how I've been told that you've interacted with the congregation over the years. Compassion, care, humor, companionship, counselor, you have stood in the gap for many families and individuals over the years, and you have given of your heart generously. So I find it especially fitting that in the context of this worship service, we are recognizing you right after the offering, because you have offered your life and your ministry to this community of faith, and we are grateful. When I was being considered for this position, one of the great selling points for me was that a church gerontologist existed I'd never heard of such a position in a church before, and so consequently, I'm not real happy with you <laughs> that you're leaving us. I'm, I'm celebrating with you, and I honor the fact that you've been called to a new season of life. I want to also uh, thank your husband, Matt, who is present here this morning for sharing you with this church for some 13 years, and just thank you for the life that you have brought to our community of faith through your service and through the ways that you have you have honored us. I want to lean on the words of a favorite writer of mine, John O'Donoghue, who wrote a small blessing on the occasion of retirement. John writes this, this is where your life has arrived. After all the years of effort and toil, look back with graciousness and thanks on all your great and quiet achievements. You stand on the shore of new invitation to open your life to what is left undone. Let your heart enjoy a different rhythm when drawn to the wonder of other horizons. Have the courage for a new approach to time. Allow it to slow until you find freedom to draw alongside the mystery you hold and befriend your own beauty of soul. Now is the time to enjoy your heart's desire, to live the dreams you've waited for, to awaken the depths beyond your work, and enter into your infinite source. Dee, I thank you for the ways that you have inspired me as a fellow colleague, and we all pray for your wonderful season of life in retirement. And on behalf of the congregation, I present you with this cross as a tangible expression of our gratitude to you. We thank you so much.
may be seated for prayer, or you can stand, but as Presbyterians, you can sit. <laughs> I promise I won't pray long enough that you wish you were sitting. Um, but you need to know how much uh, D did for, for me. Uh, when I came to, to Texas and to Preston Hollow, she did uh, more for me than I could ever state. And I, I whispered in her ear, um, Blair wouldn't like this, but I'm wearing my cowboy boots in honor of D this morning <laughs> as a true Texan. And I can't thank you for the, for the many ways that you've cared for me and my family, but also uh, for the families in this community of faith. So uh, on that note, let's offer God great thanks. Let us pray. We are a journeying people, O oh God. We always have been. And we always will be. We journey uh, from this season to that season, from this thing to the next, from this job to the next. And so we pray this day, O oh God, this new journey for Dee, a journey that will lead her off the map from everything she's always done into a new form and rhythm of life. We pray for she and Matt that they would find a new holy rhythm and rest and adventure and <coughs> fellowship and in love. We pray as Dee walks into this new journey, O oh God, that she would come to know you more fully, that she would get to spend time with those that she loves, and that she would come to know this world in new and amazing ways. And we pray, O oh God, for those in this community who will continue their journey of life and faith, though they will continue it without Dee, we pray where there is grief, where there is a void, O oh God, that you will send new persons to walk alongside of them. We give great thanks, O oh God, for the journey that we have been on together, for the new journeys that are before us. For you are a God that journeys with us. So thanks be to you this life, this love, and for this journey. For we pray in your holy name. Amen. Friends, I would invite you to stand and sing our closing hymn. Thank you.
some sobering statistics with you today, but do not be dismayed by the brokenness in our world. For things tend to break, but all things can be mended, not with time, but with intention. So go out into the world and love with intention. Love extravagantly, love unconditionally. For our broken world waits in darkness for the light that is you. And so as we go out from here to seek the welfare of this city, we seek our own welfare, and in it we will find our wholeness. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all this day and always. Amen. Amen. Amen.